dear listeners, welcome to Psychiatria, the show where we explore true healing and everything that might mean. I am Danny, your host, guide, and fellow human on this journey. So I think most of us are familiar with the concept of intuition, but I think that many of us are not aware of all of the things that we can do with intention. In this conversation, I talk with Ellen Antiskenis all about the power that intention holds. With this practice, especially when we do it together in groups, we can make some pretty remarkable changes in our lives, the lives of others around us, and in the world. So today we will detail all the ins and outs of this and share how we are bringing a bit of this magic to free range and hoping to share it with all of you. So listeners, I also want to take a minute to let you know that this is going to be the last full episode in season one of Psychiatria. I didn't really know that the season was going to come to an end here, but I am embarking on some really exciting new adventures that I'm excited to share with you and the world. Uh, in the next episode, I'll, I'll do a little Danny Talks and kind of tell you about what's next. But for now, know that this conversation is special. I do hope to be back with a season two of Psychiatria someday. And without further ado, let's get started. Hello, Elena. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Danny. So today we are talking about the power of intention, which is coming to mean a lot of things in our little free-range universe. Um, you know, to give a bit of a, a precursor, we are have developed a group, a virtual group focusing on the power of intention and ways that we can learn and use that. But I wanted to do an episode talking about what that even is and what that means. And because uh, it's such a it's a broad topic and it's one that I still kind of struggle to wrap my mind around. So let's uh, just start with sort of your initial exposure to this and, and kind of where your your curiosity and like being drawn into this idea and then wanting to share it with people like where where did all that start sure so the notion of intention wasn't something that was totally new for me um, over the past several years, as I've delved more deeply into the holistic realm of healing, I would certainly hear that word used in, you know, in different places and in different circles, um, especially things like, mm, let's go ahead and set an intention. Let's set an intention for the day. Um, that's something that would, I would commonly run across in like a yoga class or something like that. Or mm -hmm. let's set an intention for our time together. Like if I was participating in some kind of a group, um, for example. Um, and then I was running across it 
frequently in meditations as well. Um, so meditations where the sort of goal would be to set an intention for something that you would like to bring into your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the word and the concept wasn't entirely new to me, and I was curious about learning more about it. But I would say that the catalyst for me of taking a deeper dive into into the concept, as well as experiencing more of it personally, was after reading the book that was written by Lynn McTaggart called The Power of Eight. Mm. And that book came into my life um, through free range. So uh, through Kendra's recommendation as a book club selection. Yeah. Uh, she she had read it and found it quite powerful herself. Yeah, I know. I actually have not read that book. I've heard different quotes and things from it from you all who, who have read it. Uh, and it seems like just an incredible thing. Uh, but something I'm realizing I want to clear up before we speak any further about this is what exactly we mean when we say intention, right? Because I think, and you've sort of alluded to that in all the different areas that you hear the word intention, right? Like set one at the beginning of the yoga class, that one for this meeting or for your day. or. But I think this idea, like when we're really talking about the power of intention, uh, and specifically when you get into groups, it's almost more like manifestation, as we've heard about that in in pop culture, but uh, kind of on like a deeper, more spiritual, um, more energetic level. So yeah, let's let's talk about that. Like what exactly does this kind of intention mean? Sure. So it's really based upon a pretty traditional definition of the term. So mm-hmm. if you look up a definition of intention, it's typically defined as something like an act or instance of determining mentally upon some action or result. Hmm. So part of the, I think some of the key terms in the definition is, are the word like determining, like determination. Yeah. And then also um, mentally, you know, upon some action or a result. So we can kind of summarize it by saying that you are focusing mentally on a desired or noted or anticipated outcome. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that one way that the word intention has been used historically very frequently is in a religious context. So mm-hmm. depending on how somebody has been raised or if they were raised with a religious background, a lot of times we talk about prayer uh, and we talk about intentions related to prayers. So my own personal lived experience as a child was attending church on Sundays, and they would also ha- always have an intention section of the service. So mm. whoever the clergy person was would invite the congregation to think about sending an intention, usually towards somebody who was ill for a health yeah. condition or or facing another kind of a challenge. So the invitation was for us as a congregation to mentally um uh focus our determination that this individual person would experience healing or life improvement on some level mm-hmm. and i think that for me personally the the definition of intention i have carried with me from those days you know this sort mm-hmm. of like subjective understanding like aha that means that i'm going to be focusing my mental energy on some kind of an outcome um typically for 
somebody else as a child that was kind of and growing up that was my understanding of it and now I've kind of matured into more of an understanding that it could also be related to myself totally. uh, and and doesn't have to be uh, sort of uh, directed outwards um, mm-hmm. but I think those are the kind of key components so we've got some some mental energy that's created um, purposefully uh, with the hope that you will assist in determining an outcome either for yourself or something or someone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I think that's a really good way, a really clear, concise way of, of putting it. Yeah, like concentrating your thoughts on this particular outcome and and spending, I think there's like a time element too, right? Like, and that's sort of where the, the concentration and the determination comes in. Um, because it has to be more than just like, oh, I hope that person feels better. Or like, oh, I hope I sleep well tonight. Like, it's a, it's a bit more than that. Uh, and I think we'll we'll get into what that looks like. But I want to talk about this book because I know that's been particularly impactful, and that's kind of one of the super cool. And Lynn McTaggart in general is one of the the people um, who talks about this power of intention. I know that that in this book there are some really fascinating examples of what the power of intention can do. So I'd love for you to kind of pick out some of your favorites and and tell us about those stories, those examples, the experiments. Sure. So the there are many fascinating aspects to the book and the experiments that she describes and I had not come across any of Lynn McTaggart's writings before this. I wasn't familiar with her work before I read this book. And she has written other ones uh, related to the power of intention. And this one was specifically, I think, pivotal because she engages in intention experiments on a very grand scale. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I was really fascinated by what what those were um, and the results that she was able to find related to them. So in the course of the book, she discusses several really significant intention experiments on a grand scale, and she designs them with teams of scientists from multiple different universities uh, and engages usually thousands of individuals that are participating in the intention experiment. Wow. Um, I just want <laughs> to, to create... pause on that for a second, because um, this is like, this is massive. This is a lot of people and a lot of energy, like energy, cosmic energy, you know, going into this intention, right? Like, like exactly. you say, a lot of us are coming from that, that same place that you were of, of intentions in church and prayer growing up of, of kind of sending like well wishes to you yes. as one person, like to a single person and sort of the, the whole church or whatever, but it's not really, I don't know, I guess my experience, it wasn't taught that um the more people do it the more amplified it gets Uh, right and i think that's a really key thing about so if there's thousands of people like the amplification of this is like unfathomable uh yeah right so you have this idea like wow what if there were five hundred thousand people wishing that you know i would have a good night's sleep or something like that. Like, you know, you could imagine like, holy cow, well, maybe there's power in numbers, right? Maybe there's Mm -hmm. something related to the numbers. Um, And I really admire Lynn McTaggart for wanting to take a very close look scientifically at the outcome of some of these trials. So she very astutely 
decided that if she wanted to show, you know, the world at large that there can be benefit to it, is there a way to actually document, record, or experiment outcomes uh, based on essentially what is like a a thought experiment, you know? Mm. So um, in you know, you, working with colleagues from various different disciplines, she created several of these large experiments. And essentially, it's it's kind of described as having created like a global laboratory uh, hmm. for some of these experiments because she went out of her way to really honor the scientific method. So creating uh, experiments that had a control as well as the... Um, you know, the, the case that we're observing to, to test outcomes. And in order to do that, she didn't, she didn't work with people with these grand experiments as far as outcomes. She used more easily measurable outcomes, such as uh, the potential for growth of a seed. Is it possible that if we have thousands of people intending at the same time for a seed to grow, uh, can Mm. we measure using, uh, you know, sophisticated equipment, can we measure the outcome and say that perhaps the change in the seed's growth was related to the thought experiment? So I have a lot of respect for her taking this on uh, because (laughs) she, and so she, she described it as trying to delve into proving something that defies every law that you've ever been taught, Mm -hmm. you know? So, so (laughs) taking into account thousands of people across the world intending for something to happen and then having to measure it scientifically isn't something that you're always reading about in the news. You know, like she is taking um, kind of like a a spiritual or energetic concept, a historical concept of of well-wishing, however you want to define it, and then attempting to measure the outcome uh, using the scientific method. So fascinating. You know, it's this amazing marrying of two very different worlds kind of, mm-hmm. um, bringing them together and exploring some of these outcomes. Yeah. And of course, you know, based on how sophisticated some of her machinery was, <laughs> the gist of it is that pretty much every time that she did this, there were some very good indications that the thought experiment was affecting the outcome. Mm. And that to me was really mind-blowing because she is claiming that it's not chance you know that that the likelihood that the method that she is using is creating this outcome due to chance is not the results that she found right it's not that it that this potentially isn't due to chance so if we can if we can create this kind of global laboratory and affect something like a seed or another experiment that she did uh, was related to water and altering the ph of water um, if we can get together as a, a a global community and affect those kinds of things then what if we were to take it a step further and say gosh, how could we affect our life or somebody else's life or a group of people's life or Mm -hmm. the outcomes of an area of the world? And she very bravely (laughs) took it a step further and decided to experiment using similar methods with whether or not uh, a mass scale intention experiment could affect something like violence 
Mm. in a particular community. And obviously, uh, measuring outcomes with those kinds of variables are very difficult to do. Sure, yeah. Um, And she was quite, uh, she was very honest and open with how challenging that was in her book. Mm. So it kind of culminates in, in a couple of descriptions of these experiments that she did on a global scale that were related to decreasing violence and how, how challenging it was to assess those results. Um, and in spite of all of that, still seeing some positive outcomes wow. was incredible. I, I think that, that was incredible. So for, for her to take it on and to believe in the power of this kind of an exercise on that scale was very impressive and I think also led me to continue to wonder about how interesting it could be to regularly engage with this sort of an exercise on a much smaller scale yeah with our in, you know in our individual lives yeah I do want to backtrack for a second to how you described how she's like evaluating her experiments like saying that they are her her results showed that they were like very unlikely due to chance that was a really poor way of wording that but um for people who haven't had this experience and school or education or whatever like that's how all scientific experiments are evaluated right like that's how statistics work (laughs) is you get this number at the end i mean in my basic understanding of it that basically says uh the smaller this number is the better because that number is the likelihood that the results were due to chance Um, So basically, that's how we're evaluating any kind of experiment, like any kind of medication or intervention or whatever is like, do these results show that these improvements or these changes in the subjects were due to chance or not? And if they're not due to chance, then we just kind of assume that it was because of the interventions that we did and hopefully we have enough controls in place and blah, blah, blah to, you know, keep the system closed enough to determine that. but. Um, I just wanted to to call that out because it's a she really is putting a very scientific mindset to this thing that uh, I think much of the scientific community would kind of say is woo woo, and uh, I don't know if they would frown on it, but they probably would just not take it seriously. Uh, yes, or or not be very likely to fund it, you know, sure, uh, things yeah. like that, right? Uh, when it comes to these kinds of experiments, I mean, ultimately, it's almost like she's trying to statistically analyze something that appears so mystical, right? And then the outcomes that she's getting sort of fit within the scientific community's understanding of how these um, analyses work, yeah. which I thought was so cool. You know, like, hold on a second here. You know, you are taking these amazing ideas that, you know, pretty much all of us consider to be like sort of in the spiritual realm. Mm -hmm. And you are tying them together with something that we can sort of touch, which is the scientific method Mm -hmm. um, that we sort of really rely upon and predominantly trust. And then how the heck do you sort of uh, assimilate the outcome? Like, how do you make sense of the outcome? if it seems to point to the fact that this sort of mystical approach is actually scientifically working, wow. Right, know, right. Those it are like it the... forces you to question a lot of things. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that fundamentally people, I think most of us do believe on some level that 
thinking has value, you know, mm-hmm. like just even even somebody who I think is not would not identify themselves as particularly spiritually minded in any way would probably agree that their thinking about something may affect the outcome of it. I think the classic example is, gosh, if you are prescribed a medical intervention, if you really believe that it will help you, you are probably more likely going to see a positive outcome than if you have no hope that it will help you, or if for right. some reason you feel very negatively about it. I think that's that's a a comparison that most of us can kind of wrap our head around. Like, oh yeah, there's there's some truth to that. Yeah, totally. Right. Or the whole like, if you just wake up on the the right side of the bed or the wrong side of the bed, the the kind of mindset and the energy and the thoughts that start your day totally have an impact on the rest of your day. Uh, you know, I think many of us have have also had those moments where maybe we're just kind of grumbly all day and we're like, I guess I just woke up on the wrong side of the bed. And well, yeah, that's you did because you believe that. So yeah, totally. These things are these things are at play in our lives much more than we talk about or realize. Um, I think people talk about them, but in that just kind of, oh, it just blah, blah, blah. And then they don't think about it. Um, right. We don't connect it to that uh, spiritual realm or um, that it is a part of like our higher consciousness or, you know, the energy and the intention of things does matter and does have an influence. Um because that's like it's difficult. I think when um when the human brain tries to understand things in that capacity, it's kind of like a, like it's like the like cogs grind and you know, we're trying to understand things that we haven't yet. Um so it's such an interesting interesting space to to sit in, I think. Yeah. It reminds me of, you know, just the idea that sure we all we all sort of kind of understand this, right? Mm. What you're what you're referring to, mm-hmm. like, um, we all do to a certain level. You know, this idea of like turn that frown upside down. Well, why would we want to bother doing that? Is that because smiling actually has potentially better outcomes than frowning? Probably, and we're not <laughs> probably going there in our minds when we try and turn the frown upside down. But that's kind of what's at play. Like the, some uh, some of the through line of this really does um, touch us in our lives on multiple levels. Mm. And one of the really neat conclusions that Lynn McTaggart draws upon in this book is not only that through the scientific method, these outcomes are sort of mind blowing, you know, related to seeds and water and things like that. The one of the ultimate conclusions that she draws is that the sort of recipient of the intention, whether it is an animate object, an inanimate object, um, a culture of people, whatever it is, uh, the the recipient of the intention is not the only variable that changes. What she noted is Mm. that the participants in the experiment, so who she labels as intenders, experience something that she calls a mirror effect, which is that participation in the experiment itself created 
for many of the intenders, some improvements in their own personal lives, which she was not expecting to see that result. Mm. And it sort of came to her over and over again with feedback that she was getting from the folks who participated. Yeah. Wow. Sometimes I get caught up in the, wow, we can change the pH of water with our thoughts and all these things, which is actually an experiment that she did and one that you can try at home. Uh, and, exactly. Um, is there like a video or an article or like a link that kind of talks about that little experiment? Uh, yes. If you, her website is extremely informative and yeah. touches upon a lot of these experiments with uh, little summaries about outcomes and things like that. Yep. Yeah. I'll, we'll definitely throw a link in the show notes to, to the water experiment so you can check that out. But yeah, I get I get caught up in what the experiments were originally intended to be about um, and then forget like, whoa, this is a whole other um, whole other unexpected outcome of of benefits for the people who are doing the intending, you know, so if right, if uh, yeah, yeah, say more on that because it's so cool. Yeah, so so as she was uh, moving forward, creating these amazing global experiments related to what we had been talking about, she was getting feedback from participants in each of these experiments that was surprising to her. Uh, they were letting her know that they were seeing improvements in their personal lives on multiple levels. So some mm -hmm. folks were saying, oh my gosh, you know, my, my professional career just took off or wow, I was in financial crisis and I saw an improvement or I'm getting along better with my neighbors or gosh, my relationship with my son has improved or my health has improved. And they, these responses really were all over the map, but the the one thing that all of them had in common was it seemed almost as if participation in the intention experiment, whichever one it was, was leading to self or life improvement for the people who participated. Mm. So she took that and ran with it <laughs> and decided to investigate further. Uh, before she embarked on some of these large-scale global experiments, she had created small intention groups that consisted of eight people Hence where the title the power exactly and that's where the yeah. title of the book comes from so she would uh she created these smaller groups of eight and they were initially all in person she later realized that the benefits were the same even if it was virtual mm -hmm. uh, versus in person initially they were in person uh, but she would gather eight people together and they would identify one person as being the recipient of an intention at the very beginning it was usually related to a health condition but later kind of uh, generalized to anything that the individual person wanted to sort of bring into his or her life. Mm -hmm. So the eight people would, um, well, seven, the, there was one who was, who was the recipient, but then the seven intenders would basically focus their energy on visualizing the exact outcome that the person described. So mm. the recipient would say, for example, um, it is my, it is my desire to be free from migraine headaches for the next six months or something like that. And then each person who was intending would, um, usually if it, in person, they would lay hands on the, the recipient mm -hmm. virtually that that wasn't possible, obviously, but the outcomes were still pretty much the same yeah, and they would spend incredible. about, I know, I know. Yeah. I mean, that, that is really, really amazing. Uh -huh. Um, but they would spend, I think about 10 minutes or so really focusing their energy on that individual and visualizing the exact outcome that that person described. Mm -hmm. And then she would process the experience with these people 
and talk with them afterwards and say, what was it like to be the recipient versus what was it like to be the intender? Mm. And she was discovering that the intention sort of got supersized in the, and that's her word on her website. She's yeah. that word. The intention sort of got supersized in this small group such that like the more you're engaged in that energy of intending for somebody else, the more it sort of rebounds back to you. Mm. And she described it twofold that one part of it is happening in the experience. So in the intention experiment or experience itself, mm -hmm. um, the participants didn't come out of it describing like, oh yeah, you know, everything was all about that person that I was focusing on. It's bigger than that. Yeah. So you come out of the experience feeling a little different yourself too. Uh -huh. um, and then the longer term feedback was what she was really curious about. So the longer term feedback she had originally looked at was for the recipient of the intention. That makes perfect sense. You know, did Joe's migraines really disappear after a while? You know, did, did Sue's relationship really improve? Whatever it is. And she was seeing some very positive outcomes of that just in general. That's what we would hope for. That's what we were intending for. That's mm. what we're kind of expecting. Mm -hmm. But then she went on to take a closer look at the personal lives of the intenders themselves. Yeah. And was there that rebound mirror effect of positivity in their own life? And it turns out that that was also the case. Mm. So... I have a couple questions. Um, did she ever notice any, like, was there any uh, relationship between the intention, like, that the intenders were participating in um, and what they experienced? Or was it just kind of a, like, a general positive energy that kind of went wherever it needed to? So is your question sort of like, if we were intending that... Um... Joe's migraines go away was the rebound effect kind of a physical one for the yeah. intender related to their own health? Yeah. Uh, no, it was based on, it was totally individualized, wow. right? So, so, so my, my benefit could have been related to my foot, even though I was intending for so-and-so to become more wealthy or something like that. Huh. So, yeah, that's so fascinating. It's really fascinating. Um, and my other question, which I, I believe has come up in our conversations before, is um, she did some experiments where it was, uh, like, I think you would call it a partially blind experiment, but where the recipient didn't know they were receiving the intention. Did she do those? I, I know that some of the large global scale ones were like that. It wasn't yeah. like... Um, this area was um, getting informed that on this day we were right. going to be intending for you. Um, but I can't remember if, if she mentions any individual person Yeah. that way. Yeah. I mean, that just makes sense with the, with the large global scale ones or even with the ones that involve um, inanimate objects, right? Like the water does not know that we are intending right. To, right. to change its pH. Um, although I kind of imagine... Uh, there's a bit of that placebo effect. I mean, I guess we technically call it a placebo effect, but in these uh, power of eight, in the eight groups, um, the person who's receiving the intention knows that they're receiving the intention and they're engaging in that experience like of receiving the intention. So they kind of have that in their, in their mind and then also the energy is there and 
uh, yeah, which I imagine just kind of, again, like compounds on itself and, and only helps the whole thing. So, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And one thing to note too, with these groups of eight that she had been creating is more often than not, the people didn't know each other. Mm. So it wasn't like she was going into an extended family or a very close knit community or a congregation or something like that. You know, these are folks of varying ages, totally different walks of life and otherwise not connected to each other, which I also thought was pretty impressive. You know, this is impressive mm. stuff. So you can't, it, it, it wasn't like, the the group was walking in thinking today we're going to intend for grandma you know because grandma's <laughs> the recipient of the intender it wasn't like that right. um so i think there was something to be said for that too that totally. the collective thought process of people even who don't know each other can yeah. still have such a profound effect and yeah. rebound as well and who who wouldn't necessarily care about the person who they're intending for you know, like, or they probably, they wouldn't know that person likely otherwise. Um, so it's not like they are heartless people who don't care about other people, but you know, it's not like it's their grandma who they know. And they're like, Oh, I hope grandma's having a good day today. Uh, I hope like grandma's whatever. I don't know. I hope grandma's doing okay. And this is somebody who, um, they don't have any kind of relationship with. There is no like framework already to be giving you know in in energy work they talk about um cords that connect you to other people and sometimes they go from out from certain chakras or to certain chakras or whatever but like these strangers who are in these power of eight groups have no cords connecting each other there is no predetermined way for that energy to travel um so it's just doing its thing by way of intention uh which is just mind-boggling it's mind-boggling it really is <laughs> yeah it's yeah. it's it's amazing we're capable of creating such rich i mean incredibly rich images in our own mind you know mm. so when when a recipient for something like this is identified we have at our fingertips this unbelievable capacity to visualize exactly what they're asking for, but we do it individually for them, you know? So we, uh, you know, by virtue of imagining them in this improved, positive, healthier, whatever it is, state that, that they would like to be in, mm -hmm. you know, we are creating um, those kinds of emotions and responses within ourselves too, mm -hmm. because we're, we're creating it for, for them, uh, but the source is us, right? So we're creating it and we're sort of moving it outward. But that exercise is happening for us within, you know, individually. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and we're, so, we're tapping into the energy, that energy of receiving, right? Because we're imagining, we're picturing this person mm -hmm. receiving whatever they want to receive um, and sort of indirectly right like we're focusing on the outcome but they have to receive the thing in order to get the outcome so this makes sense why you know if we're, we're tapped into that energy of of receiving from the universe you know right uh then then it's gonna help it find its way to us <laughs> yeah right. Wow. right exactly i think we open ourselves to it yeah. You know, by by participating in this kind of an exercise, there's something mm. that shifts within us that 
opens us to possibilities mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to say too that it seems like so these people are only spending ten minutes um, on the receivers on the intention, right? The intenders are only giving ten minutes of their time um, every week or whatever it is, which which isn't that much. You know, and it's, um, I think anybody who's sat in meditation for 20, 30, whatever, longer amount of time, 20, 30 minutes or or more, knows how that feels and it's kind of a different energetic state. And and you can sometimes, it can be draining depending on what you're meditating on, but um, it's not like these intenders are exhausting themselves in 10 minutes right they're not like giving their whole all they have in 10 minutes to help joe not have migraines anymore right um i think it it really is this like helping to open the pathway so that all the goods that are already out there can just kind of find their way where they need to go um it's not really between the people within the group it's uh they're just kind of i don't know i i feel like i feel like that's what it is just kind of creating the the pathways and allowing for the magic to happen yeah yeah i think that a lot of it is about the collective energy in that space and time as opposed to the length of space and time right Mm -hmm. like there's something transformative that happens when this is going on in a group that um, doesn't necessarily mean the group has to sit there for an extended period of time. Yeah. Um, yeah. That it, that it doesn't take that long to kind of get into harmony. Like sometimes I like to think of it in terms of m- musical references mm. too. Like here we are, we're kind of harmonious. I mean, in a way it's harmonious, right? We're, we're in a group. We're focused on this intention via this kind of imagery altogether for a piece of it's almost like a piece of music right Mm. like it's there for a certain amount of time Mm -hmm. um and then we disengage from it and reflect upon the meaning of it and what that was like for each participant yeah yeah i mean we all know how much one song can change a room right and 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 change the energy of of something Oh, that's a really lovely analogy. I like that. I like that. Uh, yeah. And even one note, like one particularly beautiful harmony can, I mean, music literally like shifts the vibrations in the air and the energy and all that cool stuff. Yeah. But yeah. So all of this said, now that we kind of know what this intention, what the power of intention, what these groups are all about. We have one at Free Range as a part of our virtual groups. Um, And it's not quite like that typical power of a group. We're doing it a little bit differently, at least to start. So tell us a bit about what that's kind of looking like. And you've actually done the first one already. um, Yes. This past Sunday. This will come out in a few weeks from now. So there'll be a couple more, I think, under your belt by then. But um. Yeah, so so tell us about this free range power of intention group. 
Absolutely. So I'm very excited that my curiosity and admiration for Lynn McTaggart's work has manifested <laughs> in a free range group about this. Um, you know, I feel like what a unique opportunity to jump on board uh, with a group who's curious about this process. Mm. Um, and it's wonderful because there are absolutely no risks and no side effects involved from this sort of an experiment. <laughs> and uh, the way that um, uh, I'm hoping that it will work out is that anybody who's interested in the group can pop into one of the groups. So it won't be uh, necessary to come every week. Um, and it certainly isn't necessary to have the same people there every week. The, there's a lot of power to group intention, even if the members shift. Mm -hmm. So what we would do week to week is um, sort of check in with each other, chat a little bit about Lynn McTaggart as a kind of summary about what's so powerful behind these kinds of groups, mm -hmm. identify a recipient for intention, talk about how to formulate an intention briefly, and then go right into it. And we would do a probably ah, maybe two to three minute intention for the recipient and then do a check-in and then move on to the next person. As long as the group isn't huge, we could do more than one recipient, maybe even everybody. Uh, if the group does become larger, then we would probably identify one or two and then talk about the process of being the recipient and the intender. There wouldn't be any pressure to be a recipient. Um, it's it's kind of this um, curiosity and uh, challenge to jump in and try it out and mm. process that a little bit and see and see where it takes you. Yeah, yeah. Was was there anything anything interesting to report from the first group? Definitely, I loved engaging with the the idea that you're the center like this idea that as a recipient you are somehow the center like i think that there's mm -hmm. a little bit of debunking that goes along with that you know mm -hmm. that because you're identified as a recipient doesn't really like mean anything about you in one way or another it means that you that energy is being directed towards you but it doesn't mean that you're somehow identified as the person who needs the most help or somehow mm -hmm. In some other way. So it was fun to talk about roles, you know, the recipient. And then because you're an intender um, doesn't mean that you also wouldn't benefit from being a recipient. It was this, like the vocabulary was fun to, to totally. talk about and discuss yeah. what it means to be one and the other. Um, and uh, in the, you know, in the intender's role, I was so, I was excited and pleased at how like how real it all seems like you don't mm. know this person um, and they're descri they've described something that they want to bring into their life. Mm -hmm. And so you sort of go with it and start visualizing. And I was, I was just really interested and impressed with how intense the experience was for me as well. Mm. You know, like as, as I'm sending this particular intention to somebody I don't know, I don't need to know their life story or their whole background or anything to create some really great, um, like maybe like power for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, this strength, maybe strength is an even better word. Mm. You know, there, there's some strength to this, to this energetic flow that we're taking the time to sit with. Yeah. Um, and and that was really, it was really fun. It was fun to do that. And then to watch this person explaining what it was like for them 
Hmm. And what really is this like small, safe space, you know, to have them express what it was like to receive is not something that we, that I usually hear about, you know, like, what was it yeah. like to, to have us together focusing on you and this sort of like, wow. It, and, and the person who, who spoke this last time was saying, you know, I'm not used to it, but I, mm. I really enjoyed it. And it, and it helped me try to think of solutions. I don't know. It was, it was a fun exchange, you know, back yeah. and forth that way. Wow. That sounds so cool. So cool. I, I love um, how, how tangible the experience was the first time. I mean, was it, so was this your first time ever like participating in something like this or had you done, uh, done it in other groups? This was my first time with a group this small. Okay. where there was there was actually space to reflect upon the process. Mm -hmm. I imagine that's a really, really important part of the whole thing, that reflection time. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. So, yeah, I think this group is going to be going to be something pretty special. Um, right now, as as we've said, it's a space where people can attend one week and not the next like there's not really a, a a commitment that you have to do the traditional power of eight groups go for a certain amount of time with the same group of people but this we just want people to to get in and experience it you know even if it's just a a one-time thing um because as you're saying it is it is so powerful it's so powerful it is. I think it's a, a really fun way. A group designed this way, I think, is a really great opportunity to kind of dip your toe into these new ideas mm. and try them on for size. <laughs> and and if uh, if you find that it's beneficial or interesting, then there are so many opportunities to continue in that realm. Mm. Um, totally. And I love the idea of providing that as a doorway, you know, as as an initial experience. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that approach to it because, well, one, as with everything on this podcast, not all the alternative modalities and the energetic practices out there are for everybody, right? There are so many options. There are so many things out there. And some people might be listening and feel really drawn towards this and really curious about it. And other people might say, hmm, I don't know. I really just like sitting on my own and meditating about whatever and all of that's okay but that's why this is here so people can can try it out if they are curious and if they want to um so yeah the groups are are super easy to sign up for it's a 15 dollars a month for the membership to all the free range groups so we have i think five groups now that are running uh, each on different days of the week this particular group is sundays at 5 p.m eastern um and yeah, so you just have to sign up and then you get the Zoom link and you have access to all the groups. It's $15 a month and it automatically renews. Uh, we'll have links to all that stuff in the show notes. But I feel pretty like I want to I want to go next week. I usually don't go to, to the groups every now and then I sub um, for leading them. But this is so I I am so curious about what this feels like firsthand. Oh, absolutely. I, I have done a reasonable amount of meditation on my own and mm. it's really different. Yeah. Very powerful in a different way. Mm. 
but there's definitely some different elements to it for sure. So I invite anybody who's curious to to take a peek. Yeah. And see where it takes you. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think here is a good place to wrap it up. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me and answer all my questions and help teach us what the power of intention is all about. You're welcome, Danny. It's always a pleasure. Absolutely. I'll get you later. Take care. Well, thank you so much for tuning in, dear listeners. You can find all the links to the things we spoke about in the show notes. And if you want to check out our free range groups and the Power of Intention group that Elena is hosting, the links for that will also be in the show notes. And as always, this podcast is made possible by Free Range Psychiatry. So you can check them out at freerange.org. If you have questions, thoughts, or feedback that you want to share, please get in touch. You can send me an email at danny at freerange.org or find us on Instagram at Psychiatry Podcast. And remember, if you like what you heard, follow us on your podcatcher of choice and leave us a review. It really helps to spread the word so that others can learn about true soul healing. All right, dear listeners, take care, stay curious, and I'll catch you next time. Thank you.